0: So that we're, we're doing this 10-year challenge, if you will. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you wanna be in 10 years? And so what we discovered was the path that you're on is taking you somewhere, but it's taking you wherever the path is taking you, not necessarily where you wanna go. So you have to decide what path to get on because the path is going where the path is going. You don't change the path, but you can change paths, but you can't change the path, because every path we learned has a predictable destination, whether it's a financial path, whether it's a marriage path or a child ring path or a spiritual path or relational path, that path is, is taking you somewhere. So the principle of the path that we learned in week one was that direction determines your destination. We like to think that it's intentionality, like intentionality. You know, we have good thoughts, or or this is what I really want to do. This is where I really want to go. And you may be thinking that's where you want to go, but you're not on that path. We always end up wherever the path is going. That's that's the truth of life. And so, the truth of the matter is, if you want a different path, you need a different you, right? If you want, if, if you if you you need a different path to have a different you. And then last week we learned that that. All of that's beautiful and you need to know where you're going, but in order to get to where you're going, you got to know where you're, where you are right now. And let's be honest with ourselves about where we are in life and understanding where you are is where you have to start. So that kind of catches you up in about three minutes, what we've spent about an hour and a half on the last couple of weeks. And you're like, well, if you could have done that, then how can we're sitting here for a half an hour every Sunday? What we're gonna learn today is that the people who are on the path with you are incredibly important. Whoever's in your posse, whatever your clan looks like, whoever your friends are, is very important. So here's here's what we're gonna learn, and this is the primary point here, is that the people you are with have the greatest influence on your behavior, on your attitude, and ultimately your destination. That makes sense, doesn't it? Like the people that you are with have... An incredible influence on your life. So you're like, I want to become this. This is where I want to be in life. But you're not with anybody else who's going that direction. This is where I feel I need to be. This is this is this is the path I want to be on. Well, you need people around you that agree with that. Let me give you some some biblical basis for this thought. And I'm gonna give you some unbiblical basis. No, I'm kidding. Um That was a lot funnier to me than it was to you. It's okay, I'm all right. Like, I like my humor. I don't care what you think. I, f- I think I'm funny. Because like, yeah, yeah, funny looking, right? Yeah, I thank you. I appreciate you, Bruce. Yeah, jerk. <laughs> First Corinthians, uh, Paul says this in, in chapter 15. He goes, he said, be not deceived. He said, dun, dun, let, let's just be very clear here. Evil company corrupts good habits. Like, how much more clear... Can you get the word deceive there just means to be led astray. Don't don't let your mind think anything different than this, that evil company who you hang around will corrupt good habits. That sounds like something you would tell a young person, doesn't it? Then pay attention to yourself. Proverbs 22 says this in verse 24, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Don't go. Well, Why? because you're going to learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. A few chapters ahead of that in Proverbs 13, verse 20, he says, he who walks with wise men, I love this, will be wise. You get the analogy of the path, right? So if you're on your path of life, this is where I'm going, and I'm walking with other wise men, guess what, like the chances Of me ending up where I wanna go just skyrocketed. Because I'm not only on the path, I am on a path with wise men. But, don't you love that conjunction? The companion of fools, even if you're on the path, the companion of fools will be destroyed. That word companion is also interpreted herd. So if you're in the same herd as a bunch of fools, you're gonna be destroyed. That's some pretty clear evidence scripturally that who you are with has a huge impact on what you become and what your attitude is and ultimately your destination. So here's a, here's a, a cool truth. You tend to live up or down to the crowd you're with. I find this true in golf as well, by the way. If I'm golfing, that's what I like to call it, some people might call it physical exercise, chasing balls. It's not fair. They usually don't mow the grass where I'm playing. <laughs> you know what's bad when, like, my foursome, we're like, how many balls you guys got? Like, let's buy a pack before we actually go out there because we're going to need them. Do you have any second hands ones we can use? Because we know we're going to lose them. When you have that mentality and you're just going out there for a good time, you know you're, you're not even keen to score. All right, but if I go with people who are better than I am, I tend to play up to that. I tend to be impressed with myself. Wow, I'm less than three digits on my scorecard. That's really great for me. Like if I'm under 100, that's a big day for me. Seriously, that's the way it is in life. You tend to play up or down to the crowd you're with. So I'm just saying, like, like who you with, like. The people you are hanging around, how is that affecting you? Darren Hardy said in his book, The Compound Effect, he's quoting a psychologist named David McClellan of Harvard, but he said this. He said, said, the people you habitually associate with, this is mind-blowing, determine as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. Tell me that the people you are hanging around aren't important. Tell me the people that you are on the path with don't have an influence. 95% is a big number. Jim Rohn, who is a a marketing specialist, he's also an inspirational speaker, an organizational guy, he said this. He said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That ought to scare some of you. (laughs) You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with but it doesn't stop with your friends. So there's this great study that I discovered and, and, it, and it was saying how important not only your friends are, but their friends. So it started off as a, as a study uh, on obesity and it, and it was trying to, to, to connect the obesity epidemic with, with the people that you connect with. So it said that, that if you are friends with somebody who becomes obese, then you are 45% more likely in the next two years to become obese. But then it didn't stop there. Then it tracked the friends of friends. So if you have a friend who has a friend who gets obese, you are now 20% more likely. And then they took it a step further. Not just a friend or a friend of a friend, but their friend. You're now... 10% 10% more likely. Now, let, let me explain this. So, so this is more important than I think we realize because what happens, they call it, they call it the norm. So, so why does this happen? Why is it that if we have friends who are, and you can substitute obesity with about anything, but, but why is it that, that that happens? Why is this the case? It's because that becomes normal. And if your friend is that way, then it changes your perception of what is acceptable. And then changes your behavior and then eventually changes your result. So they also did a study, the same thing on smoking. Just because I know you're curious as I am. Here's the number, 61, 29, and 11. So if you have a friend who smokes, you are 69% more predisposed. In the next two years, to become a smoker. That's significant. They did another study, and I love this one on happiness. All right? Check it out. If you hang around friends who are happy, you are 15 percent happier. But if their friends are happier, you're 10 percent, and if their friends, six percent. You're like, what in the world is that? What I'm saying is it's significant. Now you're like, well 15% happier doesn't seem like that much. But here's here's a little thing about happiness. They said they I don't know how they measure happiness. But they measure happiness, okay? They're smarter than I am. When I read the study, I'll send you the link if you want it. Just email me. I'll send you the link. Maybe you can make heads or tails of it. It's this huge page about all of the control factors that the study they did and all of this stuff. And I'm going, just tell me what you want. Like, tell me the result. I'm all the way down to the bottom. And here the result is, right? And, and, and so to give you an idea of, of how to measure happiness, they said that the average person, when they get a $10,000 pay raise, they are 2% happier. right? Now you're really questioning the study, aren't you? You're like, wait a minute, I'd be a lot happier that. So here's my offer to you. If you want to be 15% happier and $10,000 only does it for 2%, that means you need $75,000 to be 15% happier. If my math is correct, I'll do it for half price. I'm a very happy guy. So if you want to hang out, I'll cut you a 50% deal today. Only 375. And you will be 15% happier hanging around me. All I'm saying, so, so it is significant, the people that you spend time with. Oh, I guess it was six or seven years ago. I re, oh, maybe seven or eight. I reconnected with my roommate from my first year of college. His name is Todd. He lives in Roanoke. And uh, we had a great friendship, just kind of like, you know, Lost contact with each other. He went to a different college than I did and after that first year. And and, um, we reconnected. We got talking. And because he's right there in Roanoke, we're thinking, what can we do to get get reconnected? We're like, hey, let's go on a let's go on a hike. And I'd always wanted to to hike some of the trail, Appalachian Trail. So we he got some friends. I got some friends, and we met in Front Royal, and we we hiked from Front Royal to LaRay on the Appalachian Trail. It was a four-day hike that we stretched into three. We tried to hustle it up and, and, and hurry it up, especially that last day, we did 16 miles the last day. So what I did a couple months before that hike was I got myself in shape. I was walking every day. I was walk-jogging. I called it walking, And I was, <laughs> I was trying to get myself in shape and I'm buying all this lightweight camping equipment because I don't want to carry all this weight. And so uh, the day of the hike comes and I was surprised by how well I did. It was really tough. Right? You're praying for level ground somewhere. You don't want to go up or down after a while, right? But what I so so what happened, we had about eight, eight or nine, ten guys with us, and we ended up because of our pace of walking, we ended up in three different groups. And I was in the first group because I had spent some time getting myself ready, right? So um, I liked the guys that I was with, and we, were just, we just had a faster pace, and so we were the first ones at the campsite or the first one at the Overlook or whatever, and it was kind of nice, and I felt really accomplished. A couple years later, we're like, let's continue. So we went from, we decided to go from Luray to wherever else we ended up three days later. I can't remember. It was horrible. <laughs> Awful. Like, I, I did not do any prep work. I had gained weight. And I was out of shape. I still had all my great equipment. And I remember like we get out of the car and we pray before we go up. And like, I'm looking like the trail goes up there. (sighs) So now we had like a dozen guys because we invited a couple extra people and we start hiking. And it's one of those things where we started and it was like, you're having to reach for stuff to pull yourself up. I mean, it was horrible. And we got about 15 minutes into this hike and I'm trying to rationalize going back to the car and forgetting this whole thing. Literally, like, I'm like, is Melissa feeling okay? Or one of my kids in the hospital? Did I forget about something that I, so, I mean, I'm having to like, I don't know about you guys, but I, and there they go, right? Like, and there ended up being one other guy that I'd never met before that was as miserable as I was. So no longer was I in the first group, you know, chugging along. I was in the last group commiserating about how awful this is. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you can't wait for that next overlook when you know guys are going to be waiting on you. But you know, they're ready to go now. And by the time you get there a half an hour later, like, all right, let's go. I didn't even want to set my tent up at the campsites. like... I just, just I want to find something, it doesn't even have to be soft, just flat, and I just want to go to sleep. It was horrible. All I wanted to do was eat and rest. But we did it. We went three days, and we accomplished our task, but it was not enjoyable. But what I'm saying, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going with all this, is, is, is you'll find somebody to walk the path of life with. You'll settle into a pace of life What I'm asking you to do is to be intentional about it. What I'm asking you is to look around you and say, is this the group you wanna be with? Is this who's helping you? Let's be intelligent about who is on the path with us because we're hardwired for relationships. We need people in our lives. That's how we were created by God. You can't avoid it. In fact, I'll, I'll make a pretty strong statement. God's plan for your life revolves around people. I believe that. That's how the Christian life was designed. The Christian life is not only vertical, it's horizontal. And let me tell you, if you're not right horizontally, you can't be right vertically because, because that's, who, that's who God has put into our life. And it's hard to be right with your father when you're mad at one of his kids. And by the choices we make and the decisions that we make and the people we're with, we determine whether or not those people are on the same path as we are and if they're going in the same direction. We need people in our lives to rejoice with our successes and to, and to help us in our failures. So on the path of life, here's where we're going with all this. You need three types of people. First of all, you need people in front of you. Right? You need those trailblazers. You need the people who are already where you want to be. You need people in front of you. So here's, here's my suggestion. Be purposeful about who those people are in your life. You need them. They're where you want to be on the path. They are the influencers. They are mentors in your life. Like the Apostle Paul said in a couple of his books that he wrote. The first book was, was uh he wrote to this church in Philippi. And so in Philippians chapter four, he said this. He said, Well, but before we get before I read that thing that I've already shown you, the verses before this talk about what we're supposed to think about. He said, You should you should think about those things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, right? And then he said, and then there's a period, and then he goes, those things, and then he gives four categories. He said, Those things that you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. So you, so you learned them. And that word received means you took them in and applied them. And then you heard them from me. And you see, what was his great advice? Do those things. Like everything you've learned from me, do those things. Paul is okay with being the example. Paul is okay by being the mentor for the Philippians. He also said this in 1 Corinthians 11. He said, be followers of me, even as also I am of Christ. He said, I am following Jesus so you can follow me. We need influences. We need influencers in our life. So I'm telling you, choose wisely. So the question is, like, what area of your life do you need a mentor right now? Like, do you need to get on track financially? All right? So who's in your life? But you're like, they seem to really have it together. I need, I need that. I need that in my life right now. I know when Melissa and I, when we found out that we were pregnant, we is such a generous pronoun. When we found out my wife was pregnant, didn't want you to get any weird thoughts. When, when Melissa was pregnant, I remember thinking, yay, oh, no. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of responsibility, right? I want good kids. I want good kids. Who has good kids? I need to go talk to them. Really. Like, like it was our first church. We were in Indiana. And I remember, okay, so the Coopers, they've got great kids. They've got 12 of them. Not only do they know how it happens, they know how to make good ones. Right? So... So we're like, okay, Coopers, let's, uh, let's have coffee. I want to know how you're, they were kind children. They were responsible children. They were just a beautiful family. And we spent time with the Coopers. They gave us some book recommendations. We read them all. We, we wanted to know. When we moved to, to Texas a few years later where I got my master's degree, we were attending a church and I remember um, the Dickersons had these three lovely gals and I remember thinking, these parents know what they're doing when it comes to children. And we, spent, we asked questions. Like what, how did you? I wanted good kids so I spent time with people who had good kids. If you want a good good marriage, spend time with people who got good marriages. If you want to walk closer to God, walk with people who are walking with God. You need people who are in front of you on the same path where you want to go. We have such an independent spirit. Like we don't need anybody and I can figure it out myself and I'll Google it. That's not how you were created you were created to walk this journey of life, the path that you are on, by looking ahead to the people who have already blazed the trail for you. They've already painted the markers on the trees so you know where you're going, what path you're supposed to be on. You need different people for different paths. Like there are people in my life that I like them for this particular success that they have, but I would never take their advice about this area of their life. That's okay, and there's people who follow me for this, but they don't follow me for that, right? So that's, it's, it's, we are collecting who we need in our life, if you will. So you need people in front of you. Here, here's my advice. Spend time with people you admire. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people who've done a lot of good in life that would love to spend time with you. Most of you. Can't guarantee that. Some of you, I'd like to modify that statement. For the most part, the people who have succeeded in life are happy to help those who have a sincere desire to become who they are in life. So spend time with people you admire. So you need people in front of you, so be purposeful, but you also need people behind you. And so I'm gonna beg you to be helpful And let me tell you this, it's going to do you as much good to help others as it is for you to receive help. There is something about the way that God has made us that we not only need to take in, but we need to give out. Because if all you do is take in and you never give out, you're going to become a poison pool of stagnated water. Because that's what stagnation is, right? It it takes in, but it doesn't give out. There's no flow. And you need to take in, but you also need to be given out. You're ahead of somebody. I know that's hard for most of you to believe. But you're successful at something more so than somebody else is. This is your opportunity to be an influencer, to be a mentor, mentor, mentor. I love this because you see three steps here. 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to his son in the faith. This is a young man that he connected directly with, poured his life into and left him to be a pastor in in a town. And he says this to Timothy, and these things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. I love the fact that he put that descriptive term in there. Don't just give this to everybody and anybody. Give it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So you see the threefold? Like you have Paul, and then you have Timothy, and then you have whoever faithful men are following him. So, so Timothy had Paul in front of him, and as we saw earlier, Paul was following Christ. Paul hands off to Timothy. He tells Timothy to hand off to somebody else. Then he tells Timothy to do that so that that person can hand off to somebody else. That's how we do life. You need people in front of you. You need people behind you. And here's the great secret. You just may need to help them as much as they need your help because of how much good it's going to do you because you receive when you give. I love our community groups. I lead a community group. If I looked at one of our community group members and said, hey, I can't make it this Tuesday. I need you to lead our community group. What would they do between now and Tuesday night? Dear God, help me with this. And they would study and they would pour themselves into it, probably more than they would have if they were just attending, right? When you are the one giving out, when you're the one teaching, you learn so much more. You get more because you're about to have to give out more. It's good for you. Let me, let me give you a little mental exercise about how important this is. This isn't original to me. I was at a, uh, a little thing with some other pastors and, and we were Skyping a guy in and he was really, really good at what he was talking about discipleship. And he said this, he said, he said uh, can, you, can you give me the, can you remember three sermons that you have heard in your life that had a significant impact on your spiritual life? Give me the titles or the people who, who spoke. Just can you give me three sermons? And I'm sitting there going, I've been a believer for a long time. There has to be something in there. And then he goes, okay, let me, let me make it a little bit easier on you. Can you remember, can you write down three experiences that you've had? Three experiences of life that, that shaped your life the most. That was like this pivotal moment. I'm like, okay, I, I think I can come up with some experiences. But then he said this. He said, he said, Can you give me the names of three people who have shaped your life the most? And it was like, boom, 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 boom. Why? Because people are what make the difference in our lives. I'm not saying sermons aren't important. Please don't go anywhere. I'm not saying sermons aren't important and I'm not saying life experience isn't valuable. I'm saying people are what it's all about. I think we need this. I think we need to be encouraged. But at the end of the day, it's the people that we invest in. It's the people who are in our lives that have the biggest impact on where we are in the path that we're on. Now, let me just, I gotta say this. That doesn't mean you're supposed to help everyone. I hope you hear that. There are people that God has in mind for you to help. It's just not everyone. There will be people people that God brings into your life that you are well suited to help and they're ready to receive it. And then there's gonna be others, (laughs) not so much. And that's very important for you to understand. We wanna help everybody, but I really believe that we are created to only help some. I love what Andy Stanley said. Andy Stanley said one time, he said, he said, do for one what you would like to do for everyone. So of course, we'd like to help all the homeless people. Of course, we'd like to help all of our children. Just pick the one you like the best. That's what I'm saying. Do for... <laughs> I'm sorry, Okay. Have you ever seen that, like that flight attendant that's telling you to put the mask on first? You know, if you're the adult, put the mask on first. And then she said, if you have more than two children, just pick the one you like the best. Put yours on then put it on them. But, so you, nobody's coming to me about child rearing, apparently. <laughs> but there are some people in your life that God has called you to invest in. It's just not everybody. So, so then here's, here's what I want to help you with. How do you determine who they are? How how do you determine who you're going to help? Here we go. Who do you want to help? Who do you want to help? Well, that seems selfish. No. You're going to be spending time with this person. You're going to have a relationship with this person. Doesn't it make sense that you like them? Right? Otherwise, it's going to make it very difficult to spend time with them. So, So who do you want to help? A second question to ask yourself about who you should help is... Who's hungry? Who wants to be helped? They need to want this more than you need to give it. Not only that, they must want it from you, right? And then you're like, all right, that helps a little bit, Eric, but it still doesn't clarify. Nobody's coming to mind. I get that. I get that. But how about, how about this? Ask God to show you someone. Ask God to show you someone. I mean, that seems like a great idea. What this, what this gentleman said, is his name was, was uh, Alex Absalom. He said this, he said, spot, pray, and ask. Spot, period, pray, period, ask, period. So, so spot somebody that you think, maybe them. Maybe that's who I can disciple. Maybe that's who I can help. Maybe that's who God has brought into my life. And then pray about it. Take some time this week, next week. Specifically pray about that. And then if you feel like you got the green light from God, ask him. Hey, man, you want to have coffee sometime? You know? Who do you like, right? Who do you want to help? Who's hungry? And then ask God to show you somebody. So you need people in front of you. You need people behind you. And you also need people alongside of you. Simple sermon, right? You're like, I could have wrote that. You need people alongside of you. So I would suggest that you are very thoughtful about who they are. Because we need friends, we need encouragers, we need provokers. We need people who hold us accountable. Let me give you a couple verses here. I love this, Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10. It says this, two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. They get more done when two of them are working together. But then it says this, and if one fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. And you need that person in your life. You need those people in your life to do life with. I remember a time in my life when the only criteria for a friend was who I could laugh with. I hope we're beyond that at this point. I hope I realize that having a good time with someone is not the only criteria for a friend. Like you need people in your life who will provoke you, who will challenge you. Because the truth of the matter is, we need more than an echo. That was better than you just let on. Like I came up with that this week and thought it was genius. You need more than echoes in your life. I'm gonna give you time to let that sink in. You need people in your life that don't agree with you politically. You need people in your life that are more than an echo that just fill up your Facebook feed with videos you agree with. You need to become friends with people or get to know people who you don't understand. And by the way, if you don't understand them then you're the one that needs to learn. We can't assume that they're wrong. Because what Randall like opened my brain about a couple of months ago was there's truth, right? That's that's from God. All truth is from God. And then there's truth as you see it. You still call that the truth though. And it may be, but it, you know, there's also truth as this person sees it. And there's a difference. You both see what you believe as truth. How can that be? How can there be truth and then there's truth and I see as I see it and then there's truth as they see it? What do you do with that right there? That's, that's where we need to learn. That's where we need to understand each other. And we need to fill that space with a lot of grace and realize that we're off just a step because because that truth is only as we see it. Hebrews 10, 24, the author says this, and let us consider one another. He said, like, think hard about this in order to stir up love and good works. So like we're supposed to be in each other's lives stirring each other up. That word stir up, I love this so much. It is the word irritate. And some of you just found a life verse because you are very irritable. And you're a good irritant, right? We are supposed to have people in our lives that irritate us to love and good works. They're not just echoing what you already believe. That's why God made mother-in-laws. So, it's that. I know, I know you, but I love my wife's mother-in-law. I, I think she's awesome but you need to be challenged, right? You need to grow. You need those people in your life that are gonna be like, ah, it's, yeah, I'm not feeling it, bro. Like that's, you did what? Dude, hey, come on out. You need to get out of the house. Let's go do this. Let's, you need those people in your life. That's why it's important that you're intentional about who they are because they play play a key role in who you are and who you become. Because here's the truth, we'll finish this up. Your life is a community project. That's powerful. You need a posse. You need a clan. You need a family. Your life is a community project. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this, this goes against a lot of what I've been taught in my life. And if I'm gonna be transparent with you, especially in ministry, I was literally taught in college to separate separate myself and maintain a mystique. You can see how well I've done that. (laughs) I had a former pastor that used to brag about the fact that his own children had never seen him outside of a business suit. Mama, does dad sleep in his suit? Because he wanted to maintain that image of who he was. That's not who I am. But that's like, I couldn't sleep in a suit. That'd be terrible. I do sleep in a suit. Never mind. Um, <laughs> where does that come from? I'm sorry. <laughs> we are a community project, right? We are a, this is, God made, so I have friends in my life that are gonna be, dude, you stepped over the line Sunday, I'm just telling you. <laughs> there are, there should be no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians. Thank you, Ron. We've gotta have each other. That's, that's how we've been created. How did Jesus send out the disciples? Two by two, Right? Randall shared this with me this week. Tell me the two first words in what we call the Lord's Prayer Our Father, not my Father. Oh, the Lord's Prayer is a communal prayer. It's supposed to be with people, it's designed that way. Lord, teach us to pray. All right, guys our father. That's what he said. We're designed for this. We're made for community. And it needs to be more than your wife, guys. It needs to be more than your husband. Ladies, it needs to be people who will hold you accountable. The plan of the Christian journey is with other people. Put some thought into that. You'll end up where the path you are on is taking you. And if you don't like the destination, change paths. It's not just about behaving differently. It's like I want a different path to take me a different place than I'm heading right now. And you gotta be honest about yourself, about where you are in life. I've made a mess of it. I'm not where I need to be. All right. All right, let's just be honest. Okay, so this is where I am and I can get to where I need to be from where I am, but I gotta be honest about where I am. That's what we learned last week. And then then choose carefully who's on the path with you, who's in front of you, who's behind you and who is with you. It's pretty critical. You will be greatly influenced by the people who are on the path with you. So be purposeful, be helpful and be thoughtful. Let's pray. God, we are in a position where we have the rest of our life in front of us. Nothing we can do about the past. We can learn. We can make wise decisions going forward because eternity is long. And however many years we have left on this earth are precious. And they count for eternity. And if we have 10 years, thank you for that. Help me to do all that I can in that time to benefit your kingdom the most. And those around me, my children, my grandchildren, my friends, help me to invest my time wisely in other people. And help me to walk this journey, be on this path with people who will help me become who you want me to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.